This is America on Par, a powerful punch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And by the way, thanks for sharing these with your friends. Uh, I can see it each and every week that the numbers of these podcasts, folks listening, it just keeps going up. So please keep sharing these around. Well, Hillary Clinton's first campaign slogan is ready for Hillary. And remember that words have meaning. What does ready for Hillary mean? mean what it feels like in her mind there's there's a the word finally in front of it finally ready for hillary she's been ready for a long time it's just those pesky voters haven't been ready for hillary so far that's why obama won in 2008 because america just wasn't ready for hillary but now 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 we are ready for hillary finally so let's let the coronation begin it's a very arrogant campaign slogan. It's, it's more about the mindset of the voters finally getting right than it is about whether she would make a good president or not. It's our fault she's not already president. That's what ready for Hillary means. Well, over the last month, she started to throw in a, a new slogan. Listen to, this is the first time she said it. This was at a rally in Florida. That work is not to make... America great again. America never stopped being great. We. Yeah, America never stopped being great. America's great already. That's the, that's the new phrase for her. America's great already. It's obviously counter to Donald Trump's catchphrase, make America great again. But there's a significant ideological problem with Hillary's idea of, of America is great already. She's essentially saying America is good enough. Well, good enough is never good enough. I had a boss who used to say the enemy of great is good. And what he means by that is if you're willing to settle for good, you never reach great. Greatness doesn't happen on accident. It takes hard work. It takes dedication and a relentless pursuit you can become pretty good at something with a lot less effort than it takes to become great at something. Think of all the things in your life that you're, you're good at. Now think of the things you're great at, you're truly great at. I'm willing to bet you've put a lot more time and effort into those things you're great at than you have into the things you're just good at. You see the difference? If you really want to be great, then good enough isn't good enough. And that's the problem with Hillary Clinton's idea that America is already great. She thinks that an economy limping along at less than 2% growth per year is good enough. She thinks that our declining reputation in every single country across the globe is good enough. She thinks having the most people out of the workforce since the 1970s is good enough. She thinks that having the federal government bring in more tax revenue than ever before and yet still run larger deficits than ever before to pile upon a $20 trillion debt is good enough. She thinks that having the weakest military force since before World War II is good enough. That's what she's saying when she says America is already great. I think she's dead wrong. 
America did used to be great, but we have been a nation in decline since, well, since at least since her husband was president. I think there's a reason why we've been in decline, and I think that reason is part of why Trump's message has motivated millions of people in spite of his sometimes nasty behavior. It's the idea of American exceptionalism. Liberals don't really like that idea that America is exceptional. There's something about America and Americans that is truly better than the rest of the world. They've actually argued against that, saying that American exceptionalism is arrogant, that it hurts our foreign policy. It's why Hillary gave Vladimir Putin that reset button. She was trying to soften our image to back away from the idea of American exceptionalism. Her ideology that we aren't actually better than other nations is dangerous to our future well-being. It makes us less safe and less prosperous. Why? How can two words mean so much in the real world? Because whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. You hear motivational speakers say that all the time. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. You won't be successful unless you believe you can be successful. You won't ever accomplish a goal unless you believe you can accomplish that goal. America has been exceptional because Americans believed we were exceptional. We have started to go into decline when a large number of us stopped believing we were destined to rise. Let me prove to you that we have been exceptional. That, that we have been exceptional because we believed we were exceptional. American exceptionalism has been here since the founding of our nation. And because we are a nation of immigrants, that means that anyone who comes to America can join in in this American exceptionalism. It's not a racist idea. It's, it's just a, a mentality. Anyone can have the mentality. The colonists had come to believe we were superior in many ways to the populations of our homelands. And again, racially not different than our homelands, we're just superior to them. Why? Well, after the revolution, there was actually an intellectual argument going on in Europe. A, a French count, Buffon, had a theory that America was inferior to Europe, that we must be full of swamp gas, and that the noxious air in America made everything over here inferior. This is what he really thought. He wrote a book on it. He said our animals were smaller, and thus anyone who moved here would grow small and weak as well. Well, our ambassador to France at the time was a man you've heard of, Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson wasn't having any of it. He believed America and Americans actually had something superior to Europe, not inferior, and he set out to prove it. So he wrote letters back to his friends at home, Ben Franklin, John Adams, James Madison, and others, begging for someone, anyone, to shoot and kill a bull moose, to have it stuffed and sent to Paris for him to shove in the face of that buffoon, Buffon. Well, by the time the moose arrived in Paris, its meat had rotted, the fur fell off of it, and the antlers broke. But Jefferson felt that the point was made nonetheless because it was still a large carcass. We aren't sure what Buffon thought about the idea because he died shortly thereafter, but his thought that America was full of swamp gas and inferior and had inferior critters, well, it died with him. 
Jefferson believed that America was better than the old world, and he believed he had effectively proven it. The idea of American exceptionalism was there at our founding, and it was important to our founders. In the 1800s, there was another phrase that relates to the idea of American exceptionalism, manifest destiny. That's the idea that America and Americans were destined to settle and rule the continent from one coast to the other, from sea to shining sea. Americans believed we were destined for greatness. And in this case, it was the settling of great stretches of territory. It drove us as a nation. It's why we negotiated with England to gain parts of the Pacific Northwest, today's Washington State and Oregon State. It's part of why Americans were willing to go to war with Mexico over Texas and in the process claim California, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico. It was our destiny and nothing would stop us, not even war. If Americans hadn't believed we were destined to rule from sea to shining sea, we wouldn't have. America would have stopped in the plains. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you are right. We thought we could. Turns out we were right. There's another example of this idea of American exceptionalism from the 20th century. Here is President John F. Kennedy speaking at Rice University in Houston, Texas. Choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. That's American exceptionalism. We do something that's great because it's hard. We do something hard because it's great. Look, we won the space race by landing on the moon, as Kennedy promised, before the close of the decade in 1969. The Soviet Union was also trying to get to the moon. They actually had a rocket on the launch pad to do just that, but it exploded before it could lift off. The Soviets had the technology to go to the moon. They could have done it. Why didn't they? After we landed on the moon, why hasn't any other nation done it? It's been almost 50 years. Why hasn't China or India put people on the moon? They have the technology today. So does all of Western Europe, for that matter. If the Russians had been first, the U.S. would have been second. We wouldn't have just quit. That wasn't in our nature. So why did the Soviets give up? Because they weren't driven by a sense of exceptionalism. We were. That's the difference. In this case, attitude quite literally determined our altitude. This idea is being eroded. It started with the Clinton's generation, the baby boomers. They were the first generation in American history to have large numbers reject the idea of American exceptionalism. I don't know why. Maybe it was because they saw the struggles of the civil rights movement and decided that America couldn't be exceptional because it wasn't perfect. Maybe it was the Vietnam War. Maybe it was that their lives were so much easier at young, formative ages than it had ever been for previous generations, and they took that prosperity for granted. I really don't know. But the two generations that have followed the boomers are also, in large numbers, rejecting the idea of American exceptionalism. And that is so dangerous for our nation's future. We must regain that faith in our greatness. We must believe that we can indeed make America great again. Not just good enough, but moonshot great. 
When we stop believing that Americans are exceptional and that we are destined for greatness, then we will stop being exceptional and we will just be okay. About as good and as bad as anyone else. I, for one, am not ready to give up on the American dream. I'm not ready to give up on the idea that we Americans can and will do the hard things that must be done because they are hard. I'm not ready to discard Jefferson's vision of America as being something great, something better than what could be found anywhere else. And maybe that's why I'm not ready for Hillary, and I never will be. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please share them with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can always do so on my website, americaonpar.com. I'm Stephen Parr, and I can still see old glory flying over me. See old glory flying over me. In the first light